Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Amen. For those of you who haven't met, I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor here at Stonebridge. And just to give you all an update on my life, we entered into a new stage in life at our home this, this year. Um, it was a time change yesterday, as we all know. I'm not a morning person. Some of you know that. So this time change has always been good. I've always enjoyed it. You get an extra hour of sleep. Today was the first time I experienced a time change, though, with a three-year-old. Those of you who have been parents of three-year-olds know they don't care about the time change. So my three-year-old, sometimes, every once in a while, he would wake up at 5.30, 5.45, and we have a rule that you can't do anything until it's light out. When it's dark, we, we have to stay in our room. Today, that was 4.30, 4.45. And it was horrible. And it wasn't just that he woke up. He woke up with a burning desire to watch Lion King. So you try negotiating with a three-year-old at 4.30 in the morning, explaining why he can't watch Lion King. And he's a tough negotiator. I will say we won the negotiation. He didn't watch Lion King, but we were up till about six o'clock, finally got him back to sleep, um, got a couple more hours, and then showed up a little late to hear. All that to say, I know it's political season. If either of the major parties ever made getting rid of the time change their platform, that's it. I'm in. We're done. You don't need to tell me anything else. I'm on board. <sighs> Anyways, the Word of God. We are in a series on the book of Ruth. We began it last week, and we're going to um, continue with Ruth for three weeks total. So this is week two of this short series. And I will just confess and apologize. You can't do Ruth justice in just three weeks, but we will do the best that we can. So last week we talked about Ruth and Naomi and Ruth's devotion to Naomi. And now we're going to move along in their story here. So I'll be reading from Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. And if it feels like we're jumping into the middle of a story, it's because we are jumping into the middle of a story. So if you don't know what's going on, that's okay. We'll explain it as we move along through this passage. So I invite you to listen to the word of God. Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an FF of barley. She picked it up and came into the town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. Then she took it out and gave her what was left over after she herself had been satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a relative of ours, one of our nearest kin. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay close by my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is better, my daughter, that you go out with his young women. Otherwise, you might be bothered in another field. So she stayed close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. And please join me in prayer. 
Lord, we thank you for bringing us all here this morning so that we can lift our voices up to you, so we can come to the table and partake in communion, and so that we can hear your word proclaimed. We ask that you speak to us now through your Holy Spirit. Lift up these scriptures for us, Lord, that they might be your word to us. Help us to see you at work in more ways than we could ever imagine. Help us to see your work clearly. Help us to be your disciples so we can go out into this world and share the hope we have in you, pointing people to the work you're doing in their lives also. So guide us now through your Holy Spirit. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So how does God work? That's one of the most important questions any of us could ask. We come together to church regularly talking about seeing God at work, seeing God's work in the world. But if you can't identify how God works, if you don't know exactly how God works, how are you able to see it? It's a tricky question, though, because I think if you were to ask different people in the Bible, how does God work, you're going to get different answers. Go and ask Noah how God works. Noah will say God works through cataclysmic events in nature, floods, rainbows. Go and ask Abraham how God works. Abraham would say God works in relationship, in covenant, in promises. God works by walking alongside us, directly speaking to us. But then go and ask Joseph how God works. Joseph would say, God works through dreams, through giving people a vision through dreams of how the future is going to play out. Ask Moses how God works through plagues. Ask the prophets how God works through visions of a better society, where the poor aren't oppressed, where widows and orphans are taken care of. Ask Jesus' disciples how God works through Jesus, through his miracles, through his words, and especially through the cross and the resurrection. Then ask them again in the book of Acts how God works now through the Holy Spirit, through the miracles of the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire coming down upon people. Ask the writer of the book of Revelation how God works. It's through cosmic events, through great tumult. You're going to get a different answer from the different people in the Bible as to how God works. And if you ask that question of the characters in the book of Ruth, you're going to get yet again a different answer. Ruth is a story of two different widows, Naomi and Ruth. And the way this story begins, Naomi is from Bethlehem. She's doing well, things are going well, but then a famine hits. And she and her husband, Elimelech, travel to Moab, a nation that is enemies of their people, a nation that is enemies of their own nation. And they settle there. But then Elimelech dies. Naomi's left a widow. She has two sons. They marry women from Moab, Ruth and Orpah. But then after a number of years, Naomi's sons die also. And she's left there with really nothing. She's in a foreign land. She's a widow. She's vulnerable. She tells her daughters-in-law, stay here in Moab. I'm going back to Bethlehem. One of them takes her up on that, stays in Moab, but Ruth clings to her. And it's this moment of devotion that we talked about last week. And it's a beautiful moment. Ruth says to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you are, I'm going to be there with you. You are not going to be alone. 
That's the promise that Ruth makes to Naomi. And it is beautiful and it is great, but it is so incredibly impractical. And we have to acknowledge that. Ruth doesn't have a lot to offer Naomi. She's going to be a foreign widow now in another land that she doesn't know. They don't really have a plan. And that's where this story picks up here in chapter 2. And the thing is, God is at work in their lives. When you look at the three main characters of Ruth, I don't know what answer you would get if you ask them, how is God at work? The first character I think you'd get kind of a muddied answer from is a man named Boaz. See, the way this story plays out, Ruth ends up gleaning in fields to get some food for her and Naomi. She actually approaches Naomi and says, I want to go work so that we have some food. Naomi says, go ahead and do that. So it's this decision from Ruth to go out and to care for Naomi that continues moving along the story. And Ruth ends up working in the field of a man named Boaz. So what do we know about Boaz? Not a ton. Few things we know. One is he's wealthy. He has this field. He has workers who work this field. Now, maybe, not necessarily, but maybe he was also a military person, a soldier, maybe what we would consider a general of sorts. Because the way you became wealthy in the ancient world was to have more spears than everybody else. So that might have been how he acquired his wealth. We don't know, but that is the norm there. We would also know, given his status, given his stature, given where he is, number of people who work for him, he's very likely older. And then the other thing that we know about Boaz is he's kind. He shows Ruth this kindness that Ruth is describing to Naomi in this passage here. He shows her this kindness, telling her to stay close, to keep gleaning in his field. So that's a little bit about Boaz. And is he handsome? We have no idea. It's not actually that important because he's rich. That's what's important about Boaz here. The way this plays out, I'm just going to spoil the ending for you all. It's in a marriage. Ruth and Boaz end up getting married, okay? That's how this is going to end. That's how Naomi and Ruth are going to have their problems figured out. That's how it's all going to end here. That's why I say it's more important that Boaz is rich than that he's handsome, okay? And here's the other thing to just know. Oftentimes, we want to try to romanticize these stories in the Bible. We want to say that Boaz came in as a knight in shining armor, swept Ruth off her feet. She fell deeply in love with him, and they realized we can't live without each other. We have to be together forever. Uh-uh. Look, folks, this is the Bible, different culture. Their age gap would probably make a lot of us uncomfortable today. Ruth was probably a lot younger than Boaz. The idea of marriage being a partnership between two people that's lifelong, and that's just not the way marriage was viewed in the ancient world. That's actually fairly recent, coming largely from Christian culture. But this marriage, which marriage is often an economic partnership in the ancient world, it's what secures Ruth and Naomi. It's funny, my wife was telling me that at one point she was taught that the message of Ruth was for women to wait for their Boaz. That's the farthest from the message of Ruth, okay? 
Because it's not necessarily about Boaz. He is the mechanism by which Ruth and Naomi are secured. And he is kind, and I want to lift that up. But Ruth and Naomi don't wait for him. They go out and they get it. You see this in this moment where Ruth says, Boaz was nice to me. Naomi starts getting a light bulb over her head. She starts seeing a path forward here. And they go after it. So if you ask Boaz, though, how is God working in the midst of all of this? He would probably give you a muddled answer. He doesn't seem to show that deep of, of faith. He's not doing this out of anything other than just innate kindness that he has, which is good. But he's not the one who gives us the answer of how God is working in this story. So let's look at Ruth. Like I said, Ruth is from Moab. She was a foreigner. Ruth is in a foreign land now. What do we know about Ruth? We know that she's somebody of deep devotion, of deep commitment. Naomi is her mother-in-law, and despite the fact that it doesn't make any sense, Ruth is going to stand by her. Ruth is going to be with her. Ruth is going to stick it out with Naomi no matter what. But again, she's not doing that because of a deep devotion to God. Ruth is doing that because of a deep devotion to Naomi. She's from Moab. Her experience of Naomi's God would have been limited and through Naomi exclusively. So again, there's admirable qualities here, but if you ask Ruth, how's the God of the Bible working in the midst of your life? I don't know what she would say. She would probably say something like, look, I'm here for Naomi right now. Maybe by the end of the story that changes, but at this point, I'm here for Naomi. I'm here to make sure Naomi is taken care of. I'm gonna go out in this field and be proactive so that Naomi's taken care of. It's really Naomi, I think, that gives us the answer and the clue as to how God is working in this story. And it's in this passage. Remember, Naomi is a widow. Naomi has lost not just her husband, but her sons also. And you don't have to have children to understand how painful losing one of them could be and to lose both of them, and to be left with nothing. Naomi has experienced some of the worst events, some of the deepest tragedies human beings could ever experience. In fact, at the beginning of this story, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Her bitterness is defining her at the beginning of this story. She says, the Lord has turned his hand against me. Heartbreak is defining her at the beginning of this story. So they move back to Bethlehem. Ruth and Naomi are there. They don't seem to know exactly what to do. Naomi doesn't seem to know exactly what to do. Ruth takes the initiative to go out and to glean in the fields. And the moment Ruth says, Boaz is the man who is kind to me, Naomi's like, hot dog, God is at work. <laughs> That's really her response here. But think about that. In the book of Ruth, we don't have big cataclysmic events in nature. We don't have God walking directly, speaking directly to people. We don't have dreams that give a vision of the future. We don't have a prophet standing there saying, this is the just society God wants. We don't have Jesus here making it clear how God is working. There's no talk of resurrection or anything along those lines. We don't even have any sort of miracle. In this story, what we have is what we would view as happenstance, good fortune, coincidence. 
But Naomi sees it for what it is. She realizes God is at work in that. In those simple decisions of Ruth deciding to go and to be committed to Naomi, of Ruth going and gleaning in the field, of Boaz deciding to show kindness, of Naomi's decision to return back to Bethlehem. In that moment, Naomi sees God is at work and says, blessed be the Lord whose kindness has not been withheld from the living and the dead. That's how God works in the book of Ruth. How does God work here? It's through the decisions of human beings. It's through the decisions of people who are just trying to be decent to one another, who are just trying to be kind to one another, who are trying to just be devoted to one another. God is at work in the midst of that. How does God work in the book of Ruth? God works through what we would say is coincidence. It just so happens that Ruth is gleaning in the field of a kinsman. And kinsman doesn't really do it justice. In Hebrew, the term points more towards the fact that Boaz has what's called a right of redemption. He's a relative of Naomi's dead husband. Because of that, he can claim whatever property was in the husband's name. And that includes Naomi and Ruth. That's how Naomi and Ruth eventually find their redemption here, is through that seeming coincidence. But Naomi knows there's no such thing as coincidence. God is at work. That's how God works in the book of Ruth. So I think the question for each of us is, how does God work in your life? My guess is, for most of us, it's not through cataclysmic events in nature. It's not through God walking physically alongside you like it gets described with God and Abraham and God talking directly to you. My guess is it's not through dreams, though some of you may have had dreams. As I told you, I've had weird dreams. I can't interpret them, though. I don't think they're God telling me anything. I think it's just my anxiety. And I think that's true for a lot of us. I don't think God's at work very often with miraculous healings. For some of us, we might have experienced that, but I don't think that's the norm. But I think each of us can look back in our lives and realize there was a moment where something just kind of lined up correctly. Something that looked like coincidence. There was a moment where things just kind of fell into place, or there was a conversation with somebody where they showed a kindness to you that set you down a different path. I think we all have those types of moments. And according to the book of Ruth, that is God at work in your life. And if we don't lift that up, we can miss out on, I think, the vast majority of God's work in our lives. That's the lesson of the book of Ruth here. How is God at work in your life? It might be in things that you overlook. It might be a simple coincidence, a kind word from somebody, a simple decision that you made that you didn't even realize God was at work within you to help somebody else. But nonetheless, that is God's work in our lives. So may the Holy Spirit open up our eyes to it so we can see God's work wherever we go. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of these two widows, Ruth and Naomi. We thank you for the testimony of Boaz's kindness. We thank you for the fact that your work can be seen clearly 
in it, Lord. And we thank you that Naomi was there, able to see you at work clearly and to lift that up and to bless you in that moment. Lord, help us to see your work. Help us to understand just how much you are at work in our lives. Help us to point that out to others so they can have hope in you.
Can he? 